So it's kind of, uh, kind of crazy that we are now wrapping up our study of the book of Romans. Um, it's, uh, I mean, this is, it's quite a long book and there's a lot there. And um, we've spent this semester and last semester studying it and uh, bringing ourselves under it. And we have, um, if you've been here for, for any of that, um, you know, we've seen, we've seen a lot of things. And we've come, uh, come through a lot of things in this, this passage. And the, the question, or in this book, the question that now that we ask ourselves is, how does it end? So th- this, this plane has been taking off, running off the runway, and it's lifting off. It's about to close. Where does it send us? I mean, how does, how does the story end? What, what's the last word that we're given? And uh, the, the passage that was just read to you by Kelsey is, um, is what we're going to be looking at tonight. And you know what we've seen, uh, whether you've been with us for, uh, for this semester or last semester or not, what we've seen in, in this, this book is um, we've seen that God single-handedly saves sinners and that he enjoys doing that. We've seen that unfolded in many ways, and I hope that you'll join us next week as we, um, as we kind of go back and, and kind of track where have we come, where, where have we been, where have we seen that. Um, but now as we come to the close, we see that God not only single-handedly saves sinners, but he also single-handedly strengthens those very same people. So he saves and he strengthens and he is glorified in that. So we're going to talk about what, what does that mean? What does that look like? But God is glorified in single-handedly saving sinners. And now we see in strengthening sinners like you and like me. And so the truth is, you know, that we're, we're all strengthened by something. You know, I mean, we all have this kind of, you know, to some degree, some of us more consciously than others, that, that we are weak and that we do need help and we do need something to lean on. And so... We compensate for that in various ways. And so I think there are some things that, some common things that, that, we, that we look to for strength. So I don't know, I'm just going to walk through some, and some of these are, are just personal for me, and some of these I think um, um, just would be represented in this room. But I think that when it comes to asking ourselves, well, what are the things that make us feel strong? I mean, I think about things like, I feel strong when I know that someone else's opinion of me is good, when their opinion of me is high, when I've been able to control what they think about me. Or maybe for some of you, it's what your parents think about you. Uh, for some of you, that's definitely not it. You don't care at all. But for some of you, you, you probably care a lot about what your parents think about you. And you feel empowered when you have their approval and their, their stamp. I mean, I think uh, some of us in this room probably feel strengthened and empowered by your ability to uh, gain the attention of the opposite sex um, through, uh, through just being cute or through being funny or whatever. I think probably some of us feel strong because we're smart. We're able to manipulate our way through life and get what we want and get positions and find power. And But also I think there's another side of that. Some of us are... Um, smart and not in the street smart sense, but just in kind of the intellectual way. And you're able to, you feel strong because you can, you can one up pretty much anybody when it comes to anything, you know, culture, academics, I mean, anything really. You can just kind of 
join a conversation and one up. I think a lot of us feel strong because we're successful. I think a lot of us find strength in, um, in relationships or maybe more so in the hope for relationship. We, we, we are looking for strength and we're going after strength purely in getting out of the, the hole of being single. I think that that is so common in, in college students. Um, thinking that a relationship will, will heal us, will make us strong. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, that's just a few. I mean, there's so many things that we, we kind of look to, to to give us strength. And I mean, if we're honest, like we know that these are mirages. <laughs> these aren't real. They don't actually give us anything. They're empty. There's not power there because they're not real. And so the question that becomes so, if we can't really, really strengthen ourselves, how does God strengthen us? How does, how does he do this? For us, and so, uh, so tonight, really, what, what we want to look at is, is three things: um, how does God strengthen us? What prohibits us from being strengthened? And why does God strengthen us? So, how does God strengthen us? What prohibits us from being strengthened? And why does God do this? So, the first question: How does God strengthen us? Well, uh, it's it's really simple, and I hope that you're not disappointed by the answer. Uh, but look with me in verse 25, Romans 16, verse 25. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, how? According to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus. Those two things in parallel, they, they define one another, the gospel the good news, it's, it's the preaching of Jesus. It's about Jesus. That, that word preaching there is just, just means the proclaiming, this message going out. I mean, if you want to boil Christianity down to its purest, smallest form, it's, it's a message. It's news. It's a reality to be shared and, and proclaimed. And Paul says that God is able to strengthen by this gospel. That word strengthen there is the same word that he uses all the way back at the very beginning of Romans in chapter 1 when he says that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. That word power is the same word used here in strengthen. So the gospel not only is the power of God to save us, but it's also the very same power that strengthens us. I think this, this does a couple of things for us. One, the first thing that this does for us, by seeing that that is the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that strengthens us, is that it tells us that you can change. You can. You can change. Like, I, I think probably a, a good number of you in this room feel stuck in one way or another. You feel stuck in some emotional state. You feel stuck in some sinful habit that you can't kick. I mean, you just, I have been there. I have been, I have thought to myself, I literally cannot change. I can't get over this. I I don't see 
a light at the end of the, at the, end of the tunnel. What this gives us at the very end of this book, when, when he's saying all of this that you've seen, detailing, outlying, drawing you into the good news, that is able to strengthen you. And that is able to change you. You're not stuck. And, you know, I mean, gosh, I, I wish that... Uh, Sometimes, I mean, I don't actually wish that you could have known me in middle school uh, because you wouldn't, uh, you probably would say I'm not allowed to be up here right now or you would just laugh at me because of my physical appearance. It was not, you know, the best. It's not the, it's not the best now, but I'm saying it was, it was bad. Um, and, uh, you, you know, but I honestly, like, there's a part of me that wishes, like, I could even, like, really remember who I was before I came to know Jesus. Like, I remember it, but thinking about, and this is just me talking about myself. Maybe you'll identify with this. Maybe you won't. I don't know. Um, but thinking about, like, I was, I was a different person. Because of the good, the good news of Jesus, I'm now a completely different person. Um, and I have, I've seen that happen in me back then, and I have seen that, bear, that kernel, that kernel that brought me to life. I have seen that bring me closer and closer to life. Again and again, I've seen it even in the last couple of weeks. Like I have seen the gospel change me in ways. I've seen it uh, liberate me from the fear of man. I've seen it give me victory over sin. I'm, and there's still a lot more to go, but I'm saying like I've, I've actually seen it at work. In me. And you know what? I've seen it at work in you too. Like I, in so many of you, I've seen it. I've seen you like actually change before my eyes sometimes from from afar and sometimes like up close and personal like in a conversation i've seen like seen your, your heart melt or even now like I, I get this vantage point getting to to preach and to teach god's word i get to see i can see you i don't know if you know that i can see you i'm not like looking at you necessarily like but i, I can see you you know like and, and anybody who who's spoken before especially in this kind of setting where, where you're sharing something that is for the purpose of seeing, seeing it do something in somebody's life, you, you actually can see. And, and sometimes it's really sad because I can actually see, like, you getting hardened um, and, and the enemy plucking away the seeds. Um, but there's also other times where I can actually visibly see uh, the Spirit making use of His Word and Melting your heart, opening your mind. And so um, the hope that we have in, in knowing that the gospel not only saves us, gets us out of hell and into heaven and strengthens us, is that we not only get that, but we can actually become more like Jesus. That can actually happen. And it's not a different system. It's the same thing. The same thing that got us in is the same thing that keeps propelling us. The good news of Jesus this also tells us that we still need it. We, we, Paul started saying you need the gospel because it'll save you. And now he's closing it saying you still need this. He's bracketing it. He's explained it all in the middle. And he's saying you still need this no matter how far along you are. If you think you're a really mature Christian, it's probably a good sign that you're not actually. But if that's where you're at, you still need it. And if you think you're really weak in the faith, you're probably uh, actually a little more farther along than you think, but you still need it. We still need this. I mean, it's like, it's like water, right? I feel like I've used this illustration before, so bear with me. But I mean, it's as simple as this. It's like, you know, like, it's not like you just take a bite of food when you're two 
and then just, you know, well, I, I ate once, you know, so like I don't need food anymore. Or like, you know, I drank a glass of water when I was seven and now I'm, I don't need water. No, like I need water every day. You know, I don't drink it every day. You know, I, I get it through other forms uh, such as diet Dr. Pepper. I think there's water in there. Um, hopefully. Uh, or milk. I like milk. I don't, I don't know. Anyways. Um, so <laughs> I'm losing myself here. Um, we, we need that. We need to, we need to keep drinking water because our bodies need it. And that's how our souls are. We need the gospel. It's, it's not just like, well, it's not like, a, it's not like a shot, like getting, you know, getting a vaccination. Well, I got it once. And there we go. You know, I'm good to go. I'm never going to have the, the sin curses off of me, you know? I mean, this is, this is more like, I mean, this is the kind of language that, that Jesus himself uses. He says, I'm the living water. I am. So we're, we're really foolish to think um, that we don't need to come back to the gospel again and again and again and again. And as Martin Luther said, beat it into our heads senselessly. Just beat it in there because we actually need it. I think one way that I know that for myself, and I think many of us um, in here who know, who know Christ, you know, we, we have, the way I know that I don't really believe that uh, the gospel, it, not only saves me, but actually strengthens me is when it comes to sharing my testimony. I don't know if anyone has ever asked you to share your testimony in just, you know, for, you know, just in person, like in a conversation or in front of a group or something. And, you know, normally how it goes is, you know, I grew up in a Christian home and, you know, I was like two, you know, and like, how does that even happen? But, you know, I was like two and something happened and now, you know, I was like, and I've just always been a Christian or whatever your story is. Maybe it's really dramatic. You know, you were a drug addict or whatever, either way. So we tell the story of how we came to know Jesus. And then it's just like, okay, that's it. So whether that was two months ago that you came to know Christ or whether that was 15 years ago, it's just like, that's it. It's like, okay, so the gospel got me in. But it's the gospel that keeps us going and keeps doing things in us. So I think like when we share our, our testimony, I get sometimes like it's even framed in like, how did you come to know Christ? I get that. I'm, but I'm saying like when, when, you come to, when you think of your testimony, think of it more than just the seed that was planted. Think of it as the tree that's growing up. Think of it as the fruit that's being born because of that. Think of the process of, of the watering and the pruning and all that. Think about that as your your testimony, not just, yeah, Jesus saved me back then. No, Jesus saves me today. Like, I think that's what it means when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When Paul talks about in Colossians, Christ is our life. I mean, that, that's a, that's a, that is a world of difference than Jesus saved me back then, this transaction that was done. I mean, honestly, this is, um, especially for you all who are about to graduate, I mean, this is, like, this is one of the top three things that, that I want you to get, that we want you to get. Logan, Rachel, myself, like, this, this, is what, this is one of the top three things, that the good news of Jesus strengthens you. It does so much more than just simply save you, as beautiful and amazing as, and as gracious as that is. That we need the gospel again and again. We need to speak it to one another again and again. So how, how have you been strengthened by the good news of Christ? 
I mean, thinking about even just today or the last week or the last couple of weeks. I think a good way to, to, to frame it is um, Ray Kamado, one of, the, one of our faculty members that, that teaches Sunday school with us. I'm sure many of you know him. Um, he frames it in this way, and I love it. He says, What's, what is exciting you? And I can't do it like him. You know, he's like, eh, like this, you know, he's all over the place. And, what is exciting you about the gospel right now? I love thinking about it that way. You know, like, um, what is it about the good news of Christ that, that excites you right now? He asked me that question a few months ago, and I've kind of periodically just asked myself that question. It's always something different. Right now, what excites me, what excites me about the gospel is that it actually engages real issues in our life. It's not something just for the margins. It's at the center, really at the center, more deeply than any of us, myself included, could ever imagine. It's that close to the center of reality and of our life. That excites me about the gospel right now. And so I think that's strengthening me. Yeah, the, the, this whole Christianity thing, this whole, this whole gospel thing is, is more than just something I say that I ascribe to as my religious preference or whatever. This is at the center of me as a human in reality. So what excites you about the gospel right now? So how does God strengthen us? It's by the gospel. That's the power to strengthen us. But then what prohibits us from from this? Right? Because, I mean, if we're all honest, like, that's awesome. That's great. I like that. I want that. I want to get stronger in the faith. I want to see Jesus more clearly. I want, I want him to, to become more real to me. I want to talk about him more. I want to be more like him. But what prohibits us from that? And, and I think there's a, a few things. This is, uh, this is not original to me. This is kind of an, a, an old triad uh, way to think about it. But the world, the flesh, and the devil— the world, the flesh, and the devil. I think those are, are, the, are the three main things that prohibit us from being strengthened. So when I say the world, what, what I'm talking about is, is not like them out there in the world. What, what I'm talking about is, is the, the system in the world that says God is dumb, God is dead, he's, he's for the weak. I mean, he's basically useless. Um, and, and so I think that just kind of prevailing ideology just kind of it, it, it does. It rubs against us because when we come in these walls, that's, that's not what we hear. And when we go to, into our D groups, that's not what we hear. When we're in Sunday school, it's not what we hear. And, and so but we, there's this competing thing out there saying, yeah, that's not going to strengthen you, but this will, which then plays on our flesh, which is the next thing, the flesh. There, we have this, this appetite within us for that which is perverted and unhealthy and rebellious and and it's it's innocent and and paul's talked about this in romans 7 he's at war with himself he doesn't do what he wants to do and he does what he doesn't want to do our own flesh so not only the world outside of us but our own flesh fights against this and and we keep ourselves weak we keep ourselves separated from the good news of jesus and then thirdly, the devil, which, you know, I think increasingly more and more, it just sounds weird to talk about, um, at least for myself. I don't, I don't quite know why that is. Um, but, I mean, honestly, like, I, I'm not going to go into details, and I'm not, 
I'm, I'm, I'm not really an overly spiritual, like spiritualized person, but like in the last year, um, I mean, like I, I personally and Allie and I, um, in our relationship, we have experienced like legitimate spiritual warfare and it's come in different capacities. Um, one, a very kind of dark, uh, scary, um, subjective thing. And then, and, but then others in very objective, um, more subtle, hidden ways. And, um, you know, the thing that, that I, I learned through, especially most recently, is, um, so one thing I think it, it, we, we often get confused about is that we think that, like, the devil is, like, the opposite equal of God. As if he is just as powerful, just as knowledgeable, but just in the negative. When, when, when really he is a created being. That, that's simply not the case. That he, he can't see all, he doesn't know all, he doesn't have an equal amount of power um, as God. Which means that he doesn't know what's going on inside of us. But right, what happens sometimes is, is something, at least for me, something will pop into my mind or I'll get stuck on something and think, how did that get there? Like, how did I get to thinking about that? Or how did I get stuck in that? And I think, well, it couldn't have been, it couldn't have been Satan because like he doesn't know what I'm thinking, right? But think about it. I mean, think about what Paul says in Ephesians 6. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to withstand in the evil day having done all to stand against the schemes of the devil. Schemes, right? He's, he's crafty, right? You're not going to notice it. You're, you're not going to be able to just clearly see it and point out, like, yeah, that's, that's a scheme of the devil. That, that's, that's the enemy at work, right? And we know that he's a murderer. He's a liar. He's out to steal and kill and destroy. And so... Um, I mean, and, and, and I hope this isn't like scaring you. This is just like, this is just the reality of it. And this, this ought not to scare us, right? It, it shouldn't. But it is a, a reality check that when it comes to being saved by the gospel and being strengthened by the gospel, the reason, one of the, one of the big reasons that we have trouble with that is because there's an enemy who is fighting against that, who doesn't want to see that happen at all. And so we have to be aware of that, that the world, the flesh, and the devil get in the way of us being strengthened. But then lastly, why, why does God strengthen us? If we skip down to verse 27, really this, this verse 25 to 27 is one long sentence um, with a bunch of qualifiers. And then verse 27 says, to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. And... I mean, if we just look at it, if we take out the qualifiers, the, the basic sentence here is, now to him who is able to strengthen you, and then skipping down, to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. So really what it's saying is, now to him, the only wise God who is able to strengthen you, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. So it, the purpose, why would God do this? It's for his glory. Okay, now glory. Again, this is, this is, there's a, there's a lot of words that pop up in the Bible that we don't use a lot. We don't, it's not a word that just comes up in conversation a lot. So what is the idea behind glory? I mean, this is a really important word. So what does it mean? I mean, the idea really behind it is, I mean, it literally means weight. The idea of weightiness. Like, I mean, if you think about like the, the phrase of like someone being able to, to throw 
throw their weight around, right? I mean, it's, what does that mean? Well, it means they have influence. What they say, what they do can like cause something to happen. They're important. So that the idea here with, with, with glory is, is, is weight, is importance. And so when we, when we say that we want to glorify God, it means that we want to ascribe to him importance and weight, like that he actually matters, as opposed to unimportance, being on the margins, and lightness, like that he doesn't matter, um, that he doesn't have power, that he, that he doesn't have control. And so the, the, the purpose of God strengthening us is for his glory. So how, how does this work? Well, when, when the gospel saves you, it makes God look important. It makes him look great. And when God strengthens us, it does the same thing. It ascribes importance to God. Not that it's not already there, but that we're joining in and saying, yes, he is important. He does have bearing in the world and in my life more than I even understand. But you know, the, the, I mean, the, if we really think about what, the, what is being said, I mean, this is, this, is how, this is how this whole thing is coming to a close and saying out of all the various ways that God is glorified, that he is, um, that his importance is made known and spread throughout the earth, out of all the ways that that happens, the one that Paul chooses to highlight is his strengthening of us. God building us up through the good news of Jesus is one of the key ways that God is made to look great and glorious and like he actually matters. And, and this is not how, this is not how it works when it comes to bosses and kings and dictators and, and rulers. I mean, this, this is not how it works with them. They, they, they rule by force. They are glorified by pushing down, not by empowering and lifting up and healing and restoring and breathing life. I mean, that, that's not how, I mean, they, they push down in order that they might be lifted up. They're glorified by diminishing others, but that's not, that's not how it is with God. And I mean, if we're honest, God was qualified to do it this way, right? I mean, especially with, with our rebellion against him and our pushing away against him. But instead, God makes his people strong. Like he's not intimidated by having a kingdom full of people who are getting stronger and stronger and stronger and more like his son and more like his son. He's not intimidated by that. He, he's, not, he's not on an ego trip. He's eager to make you stronger. He's eager to help you get out of the rut that you're in. He is eager to nourish you. He's eager to, to quench your thirst. He's eager to satisfy your hunger. And this is what we see on the cross. This is what we see Jesus doing. He's not pushing people down to lift himself up. He's doing the exact opposite. He's pushing himself down that we might be lifted up. He's laying his life down that we might be raised to life through him. So, I mean, what what does it really look like? What, What does this look like for God to use the gospel to both at the same time strengthen us, but also to glorify himself 
I mean, I think about David and the Psalms. So many, I mean, it, it's crazy. If you, if you look at the Psalms, um, you, I mean, you have to get uh, to the very last one before you get to a psalm that doesn't have, that doesn't have a, an inch of bleakness, of, of residue, of the difficulty and the pain of life. I mean, that's, that's what's so great about the psalms is they're just real, just honest about life, that it's hard and that it's confusing. And then it causes us to at times question God, his goodness, his existence, everything. And you don't get a single psalm until the very last one, 149 in, you don't get one that's just all, everything's great. And David wrote many of the Psalms and he's, he, he's been named in scripture as a man after God's own heart. And, and so what, what, is that, what does that even really mean? Well, what, what, do you, what you see in Psalm after Psalm after Psalm of David is he is, he is crying out to God about being down and out and oppressed and confused and mad at God and at other people. And what strengthens him? What is it that, that'll, that keeps him going? If you, look at, if you look at the Psalms, so many of them um, that begin with lament end with praise, end with looking at the good news. I mean, what had been revealed to him at that time, he, he ends so many um, with the theme, um, if you were at Fall Retreat with us, with the theme of steadfast love. He, he says, why are you downcast, my soul? He addresses himself so many times and says, hope in God, who, who is your salvation. Trust in his steadfast love, that it endures or his steadfast love, his love that is not dependent on my performance, that is not dependent on me, but is dependent wholly on him, his love for me, his character. And he looks at that and that gives him hope to keep going in the midst of the difficulty and pain of life. And so in that moment, the gospel is doing two things. It is strengthening David and it's also making God look like the hero that he actually is. I think that's what this is getting at. I think that's what this passage, this book is getting at. So I think a lot of us in this room would, would say, yeah, I want to glorify, I want to glorify God. I do. And we, we say that, we sing that, we pray that. How do we do that? The answer that we see here is this, to let God strengthen you with the good news of Christ, that he died willingly in your place, taking your punishment, taking the legal punishment and wrath coming your way. He took it on his own, his very head for you because he loves you and he absorbs all of that and then he willingly gives you all the benefits of life and of peace with God, of peace with one another, of the hope of eternal life. He gives that to us freely at no charge and of his own initiative without asking us what we think about it. He gives it to us that letting that intersect with our lives on a daily basis. God glorifies himself by saving and by strengthening sinners like me and like you. And I think this can happen in, in really 
practical ways. I think um, we can see this happen where, where the gospel is, is the tool that, that strengthens and also glorifies. I, I think we can see that in corporate worship settings. I think even in spiritual disciplines like reading scripture. Right? I mean, it's when, you, when you come to scripture on your own, you're not looking just to, to make yourself stronger. You're looking to put yourself in the river of God that, that his, his nourishment, his truth, his life might flow over you, that he would strengthen you. This happens in community as we meet one another, as bringers of the message of salvation, right? Sometimes we just need to hear it from somebody else's uh, lips. So do you want to glorify God? This, I mean, this is how we do it. This, by, by letting him single-handedly save you. Letting him single-handedly strengthen you through the message of his son, Jesus Christ. So how does this book come to an end? How does, it, how does it close? What does it leave us with? Our joy, God's glory through Jesus. So I want to invite you to bow your heads and to close your eyes. And I want to give you a second to, um, to reflect on this to prayerfully reflect on this, whatever um, the Spirit may have um, called to your attention. Whether you need to confess, whether you need to um, repent, whether you need to just thank God, whether you need to ask for strength, whatever. I just want to give you a second to do that, and then I'll, um, I'll close us in prayer. Father, we thank you that you can, uh, you can make dead people live again. And that um, you, know, you not only raise us to life, but you raise us to walk in new life. That you usher us into your kingdom. You bring us back to the garden. You bring us into your family. And God, you have so much more for us in this, this simple message of Jesus than we could ever comprehend. 
And so God, we, we pray for ourselves, we pray for each other now that you would, by the power of your spirit, help us to grasp the height and width and depth and length of the love of Christ. God, would you help us to be a people that um, that truly walks by faith, that lives our lives in light of, of Christ and his work and the reality of that. God, we need your help in this. We need your mercy in this. We need your perseverance in this. We need you to strengthen us by your gospel, by what you have done through your son, how you, on the basis of your giving to us. We thank you for all this and we pray it all in Christ's name. Amen.